Hi, Terri-Anne. Hello, Eloise. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am, I suppose, great as well. Excellent. Uh, life is good. <laughs> we're, we're both kind of trying to get rest in in between uh, our hectic lives, right? Yeah, big theme at the moment, rest. Even yes. though we've gone into spring. Well, you know, I often feel like the beginning of spring when you start thinking, ah, you know, the energy is coming. We start to feel that surge of energy. And then we feel really tired because, well, we're not quite out of the winter mode, right? <laughs> Maybe that's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. You're not quite out of it yet. You have this intense feeling of let's move, but it's almost hey, it's like. spring. Let's do things. Let's go for a run. And then my body. Then... No. Yep. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, well, give it just a little bit of time. Just give it a yeah. little bit of time. And it'll all, it's, it's almost like we're still thawing. I mean, if, if you look out the window here, there's still plenty of snow that's trying to melt, right? Okay. And, and you could probably go up to areas, you know, in Montreal where they've piled on the snow and there'll be like massive, you know, mountains of snow. Yeah. So, yeah. So you just kind of, feel the nature of things and kind of go with it and let your body um, thaw out. And also think about, we don't actually, you know, really slow down in the winter. We keep going at a pretty high pace. Mm. Like if I think about how, you know, when I slowed down, I'd say it was just after Christmas. And for the first three weeks of January, I just couldn't keep up the pace, but that was it. Yeah, true. I, I mean, February and March have been crazy busy. Yeah, right? I think I went for nearly 80 days without a day off. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I didn't do that in January. I think I took a couple of days, Ooh. a couple of Sundays off. But uh, my goodness, I'd say from May last year to January, I'd taken only a couple of Sundays, if I did. Mm. Like. I still have to do some, uh, you know, at least two hours of work on Sundays, right? Yeah. But, you know, sessions and uh, and accounting and blah, blah, blah. It's just been crazy. <laughs> it's all madness. Well, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, so, so we don't actually get the rest we need to get. Mm. And I think we forget that. So when spring comes and we're ready to jump forward, the body's like, ah, ah, ah. And they're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, you know, the fans, you, by the way. you're still <laughs> kind of tired and you still haven't done everything you needed to do. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. My yeah. schedule just, I had courses on top of courses. So I just didn't get time to have a break. And so I know I'm tired and I just need to rest. And my friends are like, let's go dancing. And I'm like, no, I'm tired. Let's go dancing. Yeah. No, I'm tired. <laughs> no, I'm tired. It's right. Like, right. I'll do a little bit because I need to move every week, but I'm not going to go mental. So just pacing myself. It's good. The spring energy will come into my body when it's ready. Well, I'm, I'm certain it's already there. That's yeah. the thing you might, you might be ignoring the energies there. It's just that um, it's that idea. And I think everyone should listen to this is that it needs to birth slowly. Yeah. Right, because we we want it to, we start to feel it, and we want it to happen quickly, but it's just got to birth itself really, really slowly. 
mm. you know, slowly coming out of your cocoon. I mean, I'm looking out and the other day I connected with my, um, with my garden and it was covered under two feet of snow. It's melted a lot since then, but just <laughs> completely covered by the snow. Now, now you can see the grass and the plants. And I was like, oh my God, they're coming. The plants are coming. This is, this is awesome. This is just wonderful. And um, it's been quite a few weeks since that moment occurred. Yeah. So it's just yeah, been really, it's yeah, really tender, caring. And I said, okay, I'm excited for it. I mean, I think about it every day. I get to have lemon balm tea and I get to have mint tea and smell my <laughs> lavender and the bees come. And yet, okay. Still a while before the bees get here. Still a while before they'll bloom, right? So, mm. yeah, it's that impatience in a way, maybe. For um, I agree with you. There's there's impatience, and um, that impatience is catalyzed by uh, particular belief systems of an individual. But there are collective ideas, yeah. and those collective ideas um, are not very, um, let's say. Uh, they don't actually embrace the idea of resting, stepping back, taking time off and doing nothing, right? So even the idea of taking time to do nothing at the weekend could be like, yeah, you know, I went hiking and mountain climbing and, you know, got my exercise in for the week. I took the kids here and there, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm. Um, and we don't, we don't really embrace the idea that, no, you really need the body to completely recover. And quite frankly, that relationship, um, you know, I've had a couple of realizations this week, um, was one, that I don't really know what rest um, means for this body. So, so I keep seeking out uh, what is the exact rest it needs. You know, do, do I veg out in front of, you know, some movies and just lull into oblivion, breathe and get the body to um, do its healing uh, that way? I can't mm -hmm. go outside right now. I don't can't go for a walk. I can do a bit of my little bed exercises that I do. So, you know, it was this weekend it was like, oh, I should really do those bed exercises. I just couldn't lift myself up. So, you know, I, I got positions that would help my body. But I didn't feel like that was it. Like, it could just, I was feeling into my body, going, tell me what it is you want, you need, you know? Yeah. And, of course, every time I tried to move to figure out something, the body almost like a hand pushing me back. So I'm like, okay, you need it. But instead of feeling less pain on Monday... I felt more pain. So my first conclusion was, hey, maybe you don't really know. Maybe you really, that's not what you need to be doing. Mm. And today I was working with a client this morning. And lo and behold, we're chatting. And I all of a sudden clued in that I am using the pain as a symptom indicator that maybe you need rest, maybe you need this. But I have not actually been sitting with the pain and communing with it 
Yeah. It's so as cool. though I've been trying, I'm trying to get rid of it. I'm trying to find ways to experience it less. And all of a sudden I went, oh, I need to experience the pain more. Mm. Um, that happened an hour ago, maybe less. No. And already my legs have um, less intense pain in them. Great. Because it's going into it, the, the emotion or the pain sometimes to really feel it that lets it get going. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how many facets. So I'm not saying that this solution I just found would be one everyone could use. Maybe some people would look at it and go, hey, yeah, I haven't tried that. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be or one of the other, like get rest or, you know, massage it or I mean, a million things you can do. Um, I don't know if I've tried the full gamut of a million, but, you know, there have been a lot of things that I have tried. <laughs> um, and, you know, today we want to do dating and relationships. So, you know, this complexity that we're discussing, uh, one is, you know, seasonal complexity and the collective ideas as well as your personal ideas. And then there's also the relationship with your own body. And then, of course, you know, the relationship with someone else. Yeah. Right? You, you want to date, you want to go out, you want to meet someone. Um, they, it's so complex. And, you know, it's oftentimes people hear, oh, it's so complex, and they just sort of give up, right? Like their whole body gets yeah. up. Uh, then I'm just not going to date at all, which relates to our last talk about loneliness, right? Yeah. <clears throat> it's a great segue. We become really... Um, you know, there are these feelings of loneliness and the um, the impotence really to do anything about it, right? Well, I was just thinking like sometimes loneliness almost becomes a friend and trying to force ourselves to go out and meet someone so that we had someone at home so maybe we wouldn't feel so lonely which is still possible well, it's, it's, it's also an excuse you know yes, for yeah. not having the courage to get up and make a change right we're not we're not ready willing and able to admit that we're um we're cowardly Mm. You know, we'll say, we'll say I'm too afraid and we'll go into self-pity mode, but not necessarily standing up and going, I'm a full-on coward and I'm not going to do it. So I would rather the man makes the first move, but I have a particular script in my mind of how the man's going to make his move. And if he doesn't <laughs> follow the script, you know, I, I, this may sound in jest, but uh, seeing as what's going on today, uh, yeah. I'll have him arrested. Oh, okay. I didn't think you were going to go to arrested, but yeah. Well, if, you know, if men, th there are some creepy people out there. I was watching these, these, you know, videos are. on Joe Biden and his creepy, you know, touching of children and smelling women's hair and, and all this stuff, right? It's just like, it's, it's really quite creepy. This Weird. Joke. You know, so, okay. So there are people like that. They exist, Right. Um, so I used to smell my chair at work. Okay, that's just gross. Yeah, nice. When I wasn't there. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay. 
it's one thing watching Joe Biden do it. It's another thing knowing someone who's had a chair smell. Just that's really creepy. It is. I asked for a new chair. (laughs) Well, it's enough to say that, you know, we're doing this thing on dating and that's a great way to scare the heck out of people not to. (laughs) Not to bother dating. Not, not for that. I'm just like, yeah, there's yeah, a good no. reason not to. He was single this month. Yeah. Well, he was. Yeah, also, sorry, taking this off. He shopping. obviously had a few thing, other things wrong with him yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, there are fetishists out, out there. And, you know, there's some extreme fetishists. And then there's the idea that. Um, <laughs> You know, we might all have our own particular fetishes, right? We're all attracted to a certain type of yeah. woman or man. We're all, you know, have a certain way we want to um, make love, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, in a way, we all have these fetishes, right? Yeah. Well, preferences can become fetishes. That's an interesting statement because oftentimes <laughs> when I listen to single women, uh, men, I don't know, it's just not as common that men are running around complaining about um, not dating. Um, most men, in my experience, let's put that in, you know, asterisks or parentheses, in my experience of whatever, 25 years doing this professionally and hearing men and women talk about their experiences men are usually how do i please the woman Mm. and they're usually you know the only thing i want is to be able to trust her that's one big one or you know it's one that's one big one that's come up is how can i trust her you know is she gonna go off and and you know sleep with someone else you know or she be a good mother that's been one big one and but the number one on the list is what can i do to please her she's 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 impossible right or they don't say she's impossible they say i am not fulfilling her Mm. i'm not i'm you know i try to do everything but there's always something i don't do and she's upset about it and so what can i do to to change that which is you know like you said ah but that's what men do men men want to please women it's it's fascinating, and the more we realize that that a man wants to to please you, um, you'll. Oh, here's an interesting thing I was thinking about today was that, you know, in some of the work that we do, you you have this aha moment, right? Like breakthrough, body talking can happen, and any kind of energy work, psych, psychotherapy, someone can have an aha mo- moment. Yeah, and the aha moment often is in it includes that here's the way I've been looking at my reality and you'll, let's say you're in therapy and you're repeating it over and over again. My husband doesn't do this. My husband doesn't do that. He should, you know, do the laundry Mm. when I tell him, why doesn't he come home from work and do it the way I say, I'm taking care of the kids all day long and he doesn't do anything. He heard, you know, he's in his room on his computer. He says he's doing work, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and it just goes on and on and on. Right. Whatever the complaints are, those are some of the traditional ones. Other other ones are he leaves it to me, the cooking and the cleaning and the, you know, and if you suggest for a moment to a woman, so just stop cooking, right? The next excuse comes up. What about the kids? When they're hungry, they're going to ask for food. And because, you know, 
Well, anyway, they'll ask for food or they'll go in the fridge and get it. They're not, you know, no, but I can't have them do that. They'll break things. So what? They break things. So so here you are already involved with a million <laughs> yeah. belief systems. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I watched, uh, you know, my sister raise her kids. You know, she had healthy food in the house. She eats super healthy. The kids eat super healthy. As a matter of fact, they're, they're adult men now and they're like, you know, totally in tune with their bodies. They work them out. They feed them properly. They, you know, right. they balance everything. It's incredible. But when they were kids, there, there weren't, you know, these set meals on the table and all this stuff. And they just got up when they were hungry. They said, we're hungry. Let's eat. And, you know, I was, this was so adorable. I was out at her country place and there, they were both playing outside. We were watching them while we were on the dock and, mm-hmm. and they went in the house. And, you know, Lynn and I are, my sister and I are chatting and all of a sudden she says, okay, we better go in the house because now it's been too quiet, right? So we go in the house, we walk in and there they are. So a four-year-old and a two-year-old, right? And the four-year-old has put together lunch. So it's this massive apple on a plate (laughs) with a piece of bread and some cheese, right? He was so cute. Like, you know, when he was like three, the eldest, you know, he one day he was he was in the kitchen and my sister was like, What are, what are you doing in there? I'm just making myself a snack. And he would, <laughs> you know, he comes by with his plate, goes in front of the, the movie that he was watching or whatever he was doing, and puts down his snack, puts on his movie, and we just looked, said if he was tall enough, he could already live on his own. Like yeah. he's just like a, he's a made <laughs> human being and he's like three, right? Yeah. So you hear all of these excuses. And you think, uh, well, what are you talking about? You know, they eat well, they're safe, they're not hungry. There's constant food all over the place and they eat when they're hungry. They have no eating disorders. Whereas I, we focused on food, there were meals, there's blah, 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 never stopped. And I have um, eating disorder, right? Yeah. Uh, or did have. But no there's that whole thing that I was reading because I'm watching my nephews growing up. And, you know, the whole, like, games that are played to try and make them eat all their dinner. And I'm like, oh, it's just back to how it was with us. Um, and But there's this whole thing that kids should just be able to eat what they want and then leave. But knowing that there'll be food there when they want it next. Yeah, and it just they just balance it out. They so eat. They just, yeah, they just eat when they're hungry. And, and they're... Yeah, so literally, like, fuel. Yeah. Right, it's like, oh, they just, I just went weak. I need some fuel. Go grab an apple. I yeah. need some fuel. Oh, dad, you know, dad brought home some chickens. You know, so they go grab a leg. You know, I need some fuel. Oftentimes, it was usually the biggest one was, make me some broccoli. I was like, what kids say this? Oh, like where do you? Like, my four-year-old nephew is obsessed with broccoli. If you there give you him go. So everything, my, all broccoli first. Yeah, yeah it's wonderful, <laughs> it's like, right? Yeah. It's so wonderful that they they just go, I love broccoli, right? It's great. Yeah. Or tree, as they call it. Tree, right. Yeah. Or broccoli, <laughs> broccoli. Okay, so. It's a bit tree, yeah. <laughs> no, it is super, super marvelous to see that you, you just allow a natural organism to develop. I mean, you've got, you keep them safe, you you know, make sure they're not going to fall places or there's nothing dangerous. You're, you're doing all the appropriate parental uh, concerns, but not this, 
this excessive, you've got to control every little thing um, a child does, right? Mm. And especially when it comes to food, they're going to want what is right for their bodies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's so weird because uh, my eldest nephew has a huge number of food allergies. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, so he could, uh, there's two layers of houses with uh, a connecting internal staircase, so a duplex. Right. And uh, my my mother lives downstairs and my sister lives upstairs. And when my mother would open up the jar of peanut butter, the eldest will be in the back of the house and start going, my tongue is, is uh, swelling up. Oh, wow. Right? You know, so he'd start going, and we'd have to close the doors or whatever he could be. He'd have to make sure wow. that he wasn't, wasn't home. Same with fish. Yeah. He knows right away, you know, that it's, uh, that the tin has been opened. He can, his, his tongue gets like furry and he starts yeah. going, he does that sound, you know, he goes, oh, like something, something's going yeah. wrong, something's going wrong. Wow. Really, really interesting, right? So, you know, this kid had to figure out what to eat. Yeah, so it's, it's really hard. That you can mm. hardly eat anything. Broccoli, basically. Broccoli. <laughs> you know, you have to be careful what was in the bread. You have to be careful what was in. It was just so he ended up eating bread and cheese and broccoli and yeah. apples. You know, not you kind of go. It's not the healthiest diet, but he's you know healthy and strong and whatever. But that's what he had mm. to eat when he was growing up. It's just. That was the plain food. You started putting anything else in him, and he was like, "Oh no, I can't." He's like, "You would go into anaphylaxis, right?" <laughs> yeah, bless him. Bless him is right. It's just craziness to see how many allergies a person can have. You know? mm. And then there was the other one who just ate everything. Yeah, <laughs> he had no allergies, so he was <laughs> like, oh, "I will consume five chocolate bars." You know, if you brought a chocolate home, you would just consume it in a second, right? It was so funny. So you'd have to keep chocolate away from him. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, like fun. grow up into a kid, it's like, all right, so you don't just don't bring too much chocolate home. But he learned he learned on his own. You know, yeah. he got sick a couple of times, and then it was like, no, I can't have that much, and that's like. Just naturally, they figure it out, right? Mm, Without yeah. having to be told too much. Yeah. Okay, so we got into kids, and that's but, kind of yeah. That's kind of a you know just an extrapolation, <laughs> a little discussion. I mean, we're going to just discuss things like this anyway. This is how we'll yeah. go. But um, it's just to to kind of look at um, here. Here you are believing that there's all these different ways to um, raise kids, have a relationship, meet a guy. Uh, get out of your loneliness, blah blah blah. But it's it all ends up being this this fear. Well, you know, it's pretty much summarize it as a bunch of fear uh, to just allow life to be what it is, right? Yeah, just right? accepting what is as is instead of fighting it and trying to control it into your Disney school of love. <laughs> Disney school of love. Yeah, or any script for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Scripts are hilarious. Mm. And yet we have these running scripts yeah. in our heads. And the minute something doesn't fit the script, you know, let's say a woman is dating. I use women because men are just not as picky this way. Yeah, um, It's very, very different uh, dynamic. Like men, you know, there are all these dating sites for guys to get girls. And, but it, that is just so different. Right. From, um, you know, that's to 
uh, hook up or get laid or, yeah. you know, that kind of thing that um, isn't conducive to, I want a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so there, there are plenty of people who might want to do that. Um, but not everyone's designed that way. No, and they change as well. When yeah, you could have a period of time where you, you want to do that. and um, So that's, that's a portion, right? Yeah. But at the, at the same time, I often, often wonder, like, um, did they, did the popularity, it's, a, it's my hypothesis, did the popularity of dating and hooking up and men trying to do this occur because you know, the women's liberation movement um, that, you know, allowed us to go out in the world and take risks, you know, risk being raped or attacked because we say we're going to take responsibility for ourselves not have let's say a chaperone right Uh, not have uh, differences between men and women right so the differences between men and women were you know you're not going to have a woman alone in a room with a man and we said that's ridiculous we want to accept the responsibility of being alone in a room with men Mm -hmm. right but well what's happened is we didn't take responsibility as women, which brings me to that movie with Jack Nicholson. Um, this woman comes up to him and says, oh my God, you're, you're him, you're him, that author, I love him so, I love you so much. Uh, you write women so well. How do you write women so well? And he says, well, I write about a man and I take away all rationality and responsibility. <laughs> and I'm like, I, you know, the, the, yeah. the, there, there's sometimes things that are true in art, right? That, yeah. you know, oftentimes women don't take responsibility. They'll, they'll turn around and say, it isn't nice to, to say certain things. It's rude. I don't want to cause a scene. I don't, blah, blah, blah. So women are often in cahoots. They're, they, their likability factor, right? We, we measure high on the personality scale of, of likability. We want to be liked. Mm. And when you have that as a personality factor, it could be, again, I'm hypothesizing, is that it's a contributing factor in, um, in what we will do and say in a circumstance where, let's say, there is a man who's weird, right? So the guy who's sniffing your chair or the Joe Biden who's sniffing your hair, and he does it in front of camera, right? Mm-hmm. So the camera goes on and he's doing weird things with his hands. You know, so you're, you know, what do you do then? Like, in that case, the idea of women slapping men, remember the old days, you use the glove and you slap them, or you slap them across the face. But, you know, this is too bad this disappeared. Really too bad yeah. it disappeared. It would be so great if in every one of these scenes you saw, you know, the woman slap him for touching her in a, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a moderate slap. It's not going to hurt that much right it's not a it's not hugely violent so a little slap it's like don't touch my boob don't touch my bum you know you've touched me in a place i don't want to be touched you're going to have a reaction and yet we don't want to cause that scene or turn around and say just stop it or don't touch me there you know we, we you you hear these things like you're making me feel uncomfortable what does that even mean like if if, if yeah. you say you're making me feel uncomfortable, I don't know what the heck, or I, I'm not communicating to the person yeah. exactly what's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just like 
instead you should of to work out what you're doing that's making yeah, it instead of just don't weird. touch yeah don't touch me there i don't like it why i don't like it everyone's different you just don't do it that's my yeah. boundary yeah right you don't uh-huh. need to call the police you don't need to unless somebody's super <laughs> weird you know and they're going to keep insisting with it's something wrong yeah. with their brain but most people Probably. will stop yeah yeah. If you, if you, somebody says to me, don't touch me there, and it's like, okay, I won't. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Fascinating what we've, what we've become. Anyway, my, my theory or hypothesis is that uh, the change in the women's movement and then to become more victimized, right? You know, there's, I don't want to get into it, but, you know, things like the Me Too movement that seems to be more of a movement of victimization than it is of uh, self-empowerment. Yeah. Right? And, and, yeah. And, I mean, not everyone is, but this whole movement of I need some external um, force to to take care of me. It really feels like, you know, Victorian fainting coach syndrome going on. Right? I need, I need the government to care for me. I need some institution to care for me. I need some, some legislation rather than I care for myself. You know, even if you, you know, you make decisions like, you know, I have a friend and we both agree that we will never uh, part from each other. We will never leave each other alone. Mm. Um, If one wants to get drunk, drunk, the other one won't. Yeah. You know, and uh, you have permission to, to say, no, don't go with that guy. Because when you're drunk, you could go with someone and sleep with them and the next morning wake up and, and say it's rape, right? Mm. So this kind of energy, this, this sort of collective energy that's, it's, you know, infusing the population of really young people now is, is problematic. Not everyone's like this, of course, but it is problematic. Then you have the, the generation, um, let's say, uh, let's say before me so let's say born in the 70s 80s 90s you know this whole period of time because they the the you know in the 2000s and now they're they're quite different they're there's going to be a change again but there's like lots of little different groups but let's say the you know the the post feminist era there wasn't a, or the real feminists, I, I like to call them, the ones who said, we're going to liberate ourselves and we will be responsible for our own choices. So if I get raped, I'm responsible for, um, you know, for taking care of myself. If I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time, it's my my responsibility. Um, yep. Of course, if somebody rapes you, uh, you know, you have legal recourse, right? Yeah. And some people don't even bother with legal recourse. So, um, yeah, because it is against the law to attack a human being, like against the law. Yeah. And instead, now it's becoming this this vague kind of lines between, you know, what is rape and what is molestation and all this kind of stuff. And it really diminishes actual rape. Mm. It really diminishes the, the person who is actually raped. Yeah. You know, when I hear some of the stories people tell, I just go, that's just, 
I can't even talk to this person, you know, if it's a conversation, right? Mm. I can't even speak because it's, it just diminishes, you know, an experience of being totally helpless and not, not being able to fight. I mean, that's just crazy, right? Um, so, yeah, we're going into dating and, and bringing up these really <laughs> we weird topics. It was the sniffing of the chair that did it. Yeah, I know. It was me talking about that. Sorry. <laughs> it really catalyzed some dark side. Well, since we are in the dark side, uh, you know, one of the big things we need to do is this this piece on courage, right? To have the courage to to live your life, to express yourself the courage to explore what it is you want to say yeah right um, just just so many different things we need to explore that and and that entails looking at your dark side yeah. now in the dark side there is the light you you may find gold in your shadow for sure but there is a lot of um a lot to be said for discovering your resentments jealousies you know all these petty um vengeances that that need to be looked at closely really really looked at because people forget that this is this is complete immaturity is to sit around and say that they're vengeful and resentful and you know i can't have this relationship because of my parents that's resentment of the parents and the, the person you're taking vengeance on is yourself. Yeah. Ultimately, you could be taking vengeance on um, the other, not ultimately, but at the, by the same token, taking vengeance on the person you go on a date with. Mm. You know, if you didn't like how your mother behaved and how your father behaved or your mother was a super victim, you might find that that mother being a super victim um, she ended up talking really badly about dad. Let's say yeah. if you had a mom and dad scenario. What if you had no dad scenario? That would work too, right? Mm. You know, statistically, no dad. That's a big problem. Yeah. You know, statistically, when you don't have a dad in the scene, um, one of the things that comes up is that kid, if it's a boy, will join the army as fast as possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and try to get as far away from the parent as possible. But, mm. you know, I, I gave that statistic to someone and they said, well, no, but he's, we've had a better relationship than we ever had. He's so close to me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he's living, you know, 4,000 miles away. He's in the army and yet you're really close. Yeah, it's very interesting what, what mm. people will say. So that's, that's one big stat. Um, you know, single single moms uh, for their daughters they put their daughter in danger of being molested or raped I mean th there are things that go on when someone has a boyfriend it's not yeah. your father, your father. And, and you're you know these men are coming into the house and you're running around you know with your bra popping out and your boobs and your it's your house and you can dress as you want but there are consequences to your daughter growing up, developing breasts, you know, being really leggy. And you know how girls are, right? Mm. They'll cross their legs and, and they're, they're um, in shorts and, 
you know, midriffs showing and yeah, they can, they can be very, very uh, natural, but there's a price to pay if you're natural in front of, you know, not every man, of course, but yeah. uh, visually men are stimulated. It's part of the and part of nature and rejecting nature is weird to me. Like you can't reject nature. So you're at high risk if you bring a man in the house. Your daughter's at high risk bringing a man in the house. Mm. You know, you need to know the yeah. guy really well. Maybe he has a daughter. You yeah. Know, like th- 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 there are things that, that need to change. But statistically, the highest chance that a child is molested is because you bring a strange man in the house. Yeah. So the, these are the boyfriends of the, of the mothers. Yeah. Well, they don't even have to be stepdads, right? Yeah. They're just a slew of men. Yeah. You know, and oftentimes, you know, I watch women do this. They'll meet a guy and within a month he's at the house with the kids. And I just don't get it. It's, it seems to me like this is, again, I hypothesize, but I'm certain women are going to be really pissed with me, but you're dating a guy for a month and he's in your house. Um, yeah, I just that's that's a boundary I'd I'd really not cross yeah. after a month. No, you've got to really know them. You, you need to get to know them. You need to know. You, you need to get into a couple of fights with them. That's what I think, right? <laughs> yeah, get into the mess of having a relationship. Get into the point where you know you have to ask him something, or you need to discuss something, or yeah. you know, let the difficult times arrive and see yeah. how you face them. And when you face those, have the courage to face your difficult times with the partner. And then you see how you guys resolve it. Then bring the kids in. Yeah. But not, not even if you have a difficult time after a month. If you have a difficult time after a month, dump the guy. Yeah. It's, it's like, what are you doing? You're already having, you know, I've seen people go through massive drama in the first month of dating someone. Mm. this does not follow a sequence of events you need to date someone and it can be kind of lovely and then you start going through your problems why is it lovely well you don't meet people and bring down your boundaries in the first few days of meeting them Mm. right that that's that's strange it's it's letting a stranger into your home and showing them where everything is and leaving them alone yeah all the money that you have and all your oh, jewelry. Look, here, and your... my computer here. My stuff. Yeah, here, I'm just going to leave you here and uh, and uh, I'll see if I, you know, trust you. And then they steal everything and you go, well, you know, we resolved. Wow. He apologized and or she apologized. It could be a woman doing this too. Yeah. I mean, boundaries and intimacy develop, right? So boundaries will start to, to come down um, as you get to know someone, even to see if you fit at all. Like, yeah. you know, I often say in the tarot, you know, on the first date, people negotiate a partnership. Mm. They'll negotiate their own partnership on the first date, right? You've got to be super psychic and know the person really well. When, if you know, if, if you, um, it's more like the old days where you know someone for years and years, you know their family, you know their history, yeah. you know what they've done because they've been in your community, right? Yeah. Well, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you have information that may allow you to let down your boundaries a bit earlier. Yeah. 
but you need an absolute stranger. Yeah. And you feel all these warm, fuzzy, you know, sexual feelings for the person. It's not time to let down your boundaries. No. You need <laughs> to learn the their whole... Keep your boundaries for a long while. <laughs> yeah, because you need to. You need to let that relationship grow and develop and get to know each other. Know if you're a good fit. And not only a good fit, but know about the person, what their yeah. values are. Yeah, yeah, because that, well, that, in my head, that's a good fit because... I think if your values are a good match for each other, then that's a good, good. No, I understand what you mean. I just wanted to delve into it a little bit because it's a hard one. My sense of a lot of people who are, because don't forget, we're talking about people struggling. I'm not looking at teenagers trying to date. Of course they can look at this and start figuring out, you know, maybe I do need more boundaries. Maybe, you know, having, sex early isn't necessarily good so they're you know right now there's a trend where kids are not having sex which is probably quite good but yeah that means there's likely a rise rise of pornography and all this other stuff right oh well but uh yeah but despite that i'm kind of thinking of people who are having difficulty dating yeah Right. So the, the first place you look when you're having difficulty, you can't meet the you're not meeting the I'm not talking about hooking up. Right. That you need to go to, you know, Tom Likas websites and stuff like that. So you guys can hook up. But um, in, in the, yeah, uh, in this case, we're talking about relationship to meet someone and have a relationship. If you are unable to have a relationship, the hardest thing for you to look at is the problem is you. Yeah. And it's not, you know, thinking it's anybody else or, you know, I've dated all these guys and they're not adequate. Well, or vice versa. Um, You have to figure the common denominator with all the people you've dated is you. Mm. So we, you know, that's one way to look at it. But one of of the huge things is you got to look at yourself. You're the one who's either not courageous enough to speak up. You've got a whole script in your head. That's not, you know, we'll go through a lot of them, but the script in your head and the person's not fulfilling the script, which means you're extremely superficial. So any good quality male, Mm. if you're a woman or good quality female, if you're a man, um, is not going to... um, It's not going to register. You know, so, so a lot of women will say, you know, oh, this guy didn't like me or blah, blah, blah. Well, you might need to look at yourself to see maybe he wasn't quality or he was quality and you just don't match up to that quality. So, you know, a lot of women who just want to hook up. If you meet a guy who wants a relationship, he's not going to want to see you again because you're hooking up. Yeah. Yeah, and women yeah. forget that. Not the like, kind of guy that, not the kind of girl that he wants to have a relationship with. Exactly, and um, you know, well, they think they trick them into having a relationship. So, so if if we bring up your history, is really important when it comes to having a relationship. Yeah, your history is super important. So, if your history is you have not had a long relationship, how's that going to look to? A potential partner it's going to look a bit strange it is going to look strange 
it's mm-hmm. going to look really strange. You yeah. have had all these different relationships. Maybe you've had children from all these different relationships. Uh, maybe you've had no children from the relationships. You're unable to have a relationship with a yeah. partner. Yeah. You can make babies if you're a woman. If you're a guy, you might have babies hanging around. Maybe you have no babies. Doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter, but all of it indicates you are incapable of having a relationship. Mm. It's so easy to say, no, it's all the guys and men are like this and women are like that. Yeah, no, that's, that's not self-reflective whatsoever. There's no way to generalize because if you look out in the world, you see how there are wonderful women and wonderful men in wonderful relationships. And we also, yeah. know, we also know that in a relationship, the, the, the whole is, what is it? The whole is greater than the sum of the parts? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. <laughs> and I yeah. always reverse it, but anyway. <laughs> the whole yeah. is greater. Oh, not the whole. <laughs> the whole. The whole. The W-H-O-L-E. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. W-H-O-L-E. Uh, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That's yeah. important. It's part. <laughs> not just the parts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you have a relationship, the, the talk or the chatter amongst, and again, I bring up women more often, amongst single women is, um, I'm going to have to lose my independence. I'm going to lose oh. blah, blah, blah. I'm going to lose. Div- so, no, that's just a belief. Yeah. Because the, the actual... The actual dynamic is there's two of you now and there's just more of everything, more love, more companionship, more fun, more dinners with people. Like you're living alone, you make dinner and but they focus on, well, yeah, we have dinner together, but now there are more dishes. (laughs) Right. Okay. That's what you're going to look at, you know? But there's more time yeah. together washing the dishes and supporting so each other. It's the pleasure yeah. of making a meal for someone else and having someone to get you a cup of tea in bed. Exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it is a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, you know, my partner always, you know, makes me coffee in the morning and brings it into the, well, when I'm still in bed doing my bed exercises, he's like, here's your coffee, honey. It's like, oh, oh. And vice versa. If he's not, yeah. if if I'm up for you know, before him, and he he jumps up, goes in the shower, I bring him this little espresso in, in, when he's coming out of the shower or whatever. You know, yeah. it's it's just you're doing something for yourself, so you make two. What's the big deal? Yeah, you make two. I'm not I'm not doing it just for him, even though if he asked me to do it for him, of course, I would do it as long as my yeah. moment is conducive to it mm. right which people don't get you know that if i were climbing up the stairs with a basket of laundry and he said make me coffee i go yeah. no i can't you're gonna have yeah. to do that it's gonna take me a few minutes um because i'm already doing something but uh that's just normal human beings and of course you know you go oh, man great you know okay thanks yeah. anyway you know, it's just normal people. Mm. Just like if you ask me for a cup of tea and I'm right there, boil the water, throw the tea on. Yeah. Or I would say, oh man, you know, I'm oh, just I'm about to, boat, so yeah, I'm just about to go for a, a hike, you know, like I got to go. Yeah. Meeting. 
you know, it's, it's simple as, right? Yeah. Um, but we don't look at it that way. There's this, I'm not talking about all of us, right? This is, this is when um, women, most often women, when men don't necessarily do this, um, that if the man comes in, there's this trend to say that my independence is gone. Yeah. Well, why isn't his independence about they wanna... yeah. gone? Yeah. It's just so intensely superficial to think that way. You have, because it really tells you, you have no clue. And I mean, when I say you, I mean one tells one that yeah. you have no understanding okay. of what it's like to have a relationship mm-hmm. or understand how to relate in a relationship. Yeah. You, you're so far removed from anything that has to do with a relationship when these narratives start coming up from your mouth. So I'm speaking to everyone going, if you hear these things coming from your mouth, that you need the guy who does this and that and da, da, da. No, no. Sorry, men, I'm focusing on women, but at least that's going to help you have better quality women showing up, right? Yeah. Because um, the, 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 the feed off is because, you know, naturally men will listen to women, um, but there's a certain extent they'll go to. You know, mm-hmm. men want to protect a woman. They want to have their progeny. And women need safety. They need someone who's going to, you know, have a job, keep that safety going. Um, but all of these new belief systems that have become instantiated in the genetics now, genetically, people are born with this idea that if I, you know, I'm not saying everyone, but if I meet up with men, I lose my independence as a woman. That is just some crazy belief system that occurred in the, the 50s and 60s yeah. by women who serious, seriously, in, in, in my estimation, seriously did not know how to think. They were just victimized. Because when you listen mm. to the women who are dynamic, filled with energy, like Camille Paglia, who's Basically, she, she considers herself one of the first transgenders. She wrote, she wrote books on it. Mm. She is gay. She is, I mean, and yet, you know, everything she says, oh, not everything she says, but there's so much about um, the, the female uh, revolution. I, I'm on par with her. It's what I thought, too. You know, mm. this, 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 the same ideas of, um, you know, we will take our own risks. We'll take responsibility for ourselves. Then there was this other group of women that you call the fainting couch women. Yeah. Yeah. Can't talk about certain things. Men should do this and men should do that. Whereas the feminists were women need to do this for themselves. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of got lost. You know, it's, it, it, I think of these fainting couch women as marshmallows, you know, the big stay puff guy. And they started absorbing all of the, the, the words and the, the books and the, and the schools and the universities and the, the daily life and just their marshmallowiness just attacked everyone and now they're you know the big marshmallow is what we hear no men should do this the government should do that which is understandable because we genetically need safety Mm. right genetically women don't want safety they need protection so they could have kids but if you're not having a kid yes your genetics are still taking effect but you're a thinking human being 
Yeah. You know, that this, this irons me a lot because there's so much victimization amongst women. No wonder men struggle and no man wonder men, you know, and don't forget in the, the resentment and self-pity and the lack of responsibility in women um, are very much, this is like a, a vortex, a hole, a, an, an, a, a black hole, really, yes. because it is insatiable. If you start going down that hole, which poor men, because they will try to um, do what women say, if you've got a woman who is unable to take responsibility for her own actions, and you can tell when someone won't take responsibility for certain things, the moment they say, if I get into a relationship, I lose my independence. That's clearly irresponsible. Yeah. Do we need to explain that? I don't even think we need to explain it. But if, if I can't be responsible for my own independence, my own thinking, my own actions, but that if I go, the minute I'm in a relationship with a man, I lose it. You never had it to begin with. No. You are never responsible to begin with. So these are, these are unthinking, ridiculous thoughts. Mm. Ridiculous things that, that we think because we are not responsible for, let's say our actions. You're, you're in a relationship and you don't like something. You just go, I don't like it. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. You know, and if you, if it's, if it's not part of your morality and you need to know your values to know this, like, uh, you know, I was asked, you know, my, my husband wants to have a threesome with his other woman. Hmm. You know, what should I do? I don't know what you should do. Do you want to have a threesome with another woman? Oh, no. You know, you need to be clear on whether that's your, I don't know if it means keeping him. It's like, that's not the question I've asked you. Yeah. Because keeping someone with, with values, you, you're opening up a can of worms. Yeah. If they've got values that you don't have. You're, you're in big trouble. You're in yeah. big trouble. This yeah. isn't just an action. These are values. If you don't want to have sex with three, four, five, whatever it is, people, um, or whatever it is, uh, it's against your value system. There's nothing you could do. You you keep him. Uh, you've just gone down it. It could be possible. He prefers her over you. Maybe he's just saying, maybe his value is, well, here's my wife and I love her, uh, but she's aging now. And I'm really attracted by the neighbor who's 20 years old. And yeah. if I can get my wife to have sex, that means I don't really betray my wife because she's agreed to it. Yeah. And, and well, yeah, sure. That's you could go ahead, but the fear again. This is the cowardice to live your own life, right? So it's not that somebody else takes away your independence; it's you take away your own independence, mm. right? We see it all the time. It's like, no, I don't want to have a threesome. No, I'm not interested. You go, bye. We're done. You know, yeah, it's, it's just done. You because you already see the unfolding of this is done. If you you know you. If you if they say they want to do it because you know our sex life is no good anymore and blah blah, blah and you don't like it, well, your marriage is over. Face it. Pardon? You got to change it or face it. Yeah. It, it, face it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it might you know it could be changeable or it might not be changeable. I mean, it depends yeah. on you know if the woman's not having sex anymore because she's lost interest because he's not good in bed. Well figure it out you know yeah because you're both going to be dissatisfied now or whatever it is whatever is going on mm-hmm. whatever is going on you have to figure it out because it it will 
um, set the seeds of dissent, of uh, uh, resentment, right? Yeah. It'll just, it'll just. And uh, once that creeps in. Yeah. And then you're, you know, 10, 20, 30 years into the marriage, you haven't said yeah. that. So now you've got too many things. Too to many talk things about. to be resentful. <laughs> well, you know, when I watch a woman come in who's been married for 30 years and the marriage is a complete catastrophe, she never liked having sex with him. She yeah. never orgasmed. She never, you know, did this or that or the other thing. And now 30 years later, you, you try to work with one little problem and you pull the thread and like 50 other problems show up and then you pull one more thread and another 50 show up it's too big it's too big to deal with you need you need years and years of therapy yeah now that might sound difficult to somebody who's 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 not dating and wants to date but you've got the same kind of build-up but it's your belief systems about what men are like or vice versa or Mm -hmm. you know i'm not i'm not including gay and uh, and lesbian relationships in my speaking, but I am including it in the consciousness of this conversation. Mm. Um, there, the gay and lesbian relationships are not as common. Um, so I don't get as many people in my practice who are gay and lesbian that um, have problems. Mm. Uh, you know, gay men, uh, it's been interesting. Most of the gay men I've worked with, they have their own issues and um, they're very much like a, like any marriage, right? Or any relationships. I don't quite see the difference. Lesbian women, obviously, um, that's been an interesting group. And it was interesting to find out statistically that when it comes to violence in relationships, lesbian relationships are number one. Um so women tend to be more generally violent, right? Mm-hmm. We know on the bell curve of things that, you know, the mo- more violent men in jails, et cetera, right? They're, they're on the bell curve genetically of, of violence and they will kill or whatever. But when it comes to like aggression and violence and that kind of thing, hitting, blah, 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 it, it's, it's women. Mm. So yeah. the same thing with the, so when it comes to lesbian women, there's it just gets it just escalates. And there's also another stat about lesbian women is that the sex life falls off really quickly, whereas obviously gay men don't. And you know, men and women together, it's it depends, right? Yeah, it depends, it depends on the well, on yeah. the on the marriage. Yeah, because um, yeah. now you have a combination of of men and women, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. All right, that's a lot of stuff. I think we have a lot more to talk about. But... <laughs> yeah, we'll. we'll <laughs> yeah, so we'll uh, continue next week. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right, my darling. Well. Um, okay. Any I'll questions? Sore throat on that one. Tell us. Yeah. And we'll speak to you next week. All right, my love. Have a good one. Take care, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Bye.